0: For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in game stats, and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play.
1: the CHN radio we did it our law 11 match winless streak has come to an end as Newcastle United defeat the Everton Little Arms 2 to nil and we are very excited about it reminiscent of our podcast starting on an 11 match winless streak we now unfortunately had to experience it again and yeah. we are leaving you with this beautiful, glorious song that the same song that we led with when we opened our first ever win as a podcast, eleven matches in. But uh, I'm your host, Greg Greg Troxel. We have a jam-packed podcast to show you. It's deadline day, recording this. Uh, or
2: yeah, no, kind. Well, kind. for no, no, it's 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 the It's, it's weird. Question. It's weird because it's like it's the thirty-first. But yeah. business was being conducted, but because the business day is tomorrow, deadline yes. day is tomorrow. So yeah. it's kind of crazy.
1: Um, So, yeah. So you're listening to this on deadline day, and we are victorious. This is the victorious Newcastle United. <laughs> you can follow me at NUFC underscore Greg, the podcast at CHN underscore podcast. And now I bring you the man who you've heard, but you're probably wondering, whoa, who is that? That is... The best damn co-host in the land, the best damn site manager in the land, Elijah Newsom. Happy victories. Elijah. Yes.
2: Yes, happy victories. Um it, it was I, I Greg texted me. I Greg did not watch this live because it was 4:30 no. in the morning, uh, where he was. So as any sane person would, he he recorded it. And I was just like, I just was giving him little hints. I was like, geez. Uh, that was beautiful. Can't wait for you to watch. I mean, like it's weird seeing Newcastle whole possession. There's like a plan. It's weird. And then Greg was like, "Oh my god, I just started it." And then he later on said, "Like we said, we say something along the lines like it, like you you couldn't believe that this was Newcastle or something like that." Like he said, at times I had to pause the TV to make sure it was really Newcastle United. And that is how it how it felt like. Yeah, it was weird. It was very weird because we really hadn't seen like attacking football like that in a while from Newcastle uh, in general, but honestly it's, it was nice and worthy of the celebration song. We only pull that one out anytime Newcastle lose 10 or more matches in or in <laughs> don't win in 10 matches. And we pull out the uh, celebration song when they finally win. So yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped to talk about it and uh, discuss it with you. And I don't know. I'm also pumped for deadline day. That's going to be fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot lot is happening right now as we speak. A lot is happening. So we're going to start the show by just recapping a little bit about what's going on. We're still going to do our normal. If any, if we sign any player, you will be getting an emergency podcast and uh, we'll keep you updated with all of that. But Elijah, let's let's start with what's the kind of rumors going around in transfer world. Um, I've heard many things, but let's uh, let's see what see if we've heard the same.
2: Yeah, uh, the, I mean, first and foremost, I think it's it's almost common knowledge. The, the most interesting transfer saga uh, at Newcastle that just flew under the radar: the Andre who went from um, like not being able to be kind of sold last summer due to how expensive his contract is, to knowing that he was going to get sold in January, to then starting like seven out of eight matches and then being confused as to whether or not the club wanted him to the club, not telling him whether or not they're going to resign him to him, not to the club, letting his visa expire then like them having to get it back in the cards to finally, it looks like he's been sold to Galatasaray. Uh, Galatasaray, oh, they actually tweeted from their account uh, early on, not earlier, I guess earlier on Sunday as uh, kind of the day closed that they had entered negotiations with Newcastle um, about DeAndre Yedlin, uh, about the transfer status of DeAndre Yedlin. So, honestly, by the time you listen to this, he probably already is gone to Galatasaray. So, um, yeah, best of luck to him. Uh, I think – I mean, it's he's definitely a player that had some moments. I don't think anyone's upset with DeAndre Yedlin or anything. Like, it's just whatever. Fine. That's more space. But – the outgoings are important because um, for Newcastle, as always, and for most clubs, outgoings uh, have to happen in order for people to come in. And so we've got some weird ones, some other outgoings. Matt Ritchie, still there's an AFC Bournemouth talk. I have no idea what the status of that is. It could happen. It could not happen. Uh, so that's something to just keep in the back of your head. Uh, both long staffs been linked with loan moves away from Newcastle. Sean, I think, even had a couple bids, uh, I think with Fiorentina, that were turned down. I think Sean has reiterated the fact that he wants to stay here. Maddie, I uh, not really heard much about him, but Newcastle, it doesn't really matter if they loan him or not. If anything, it should if they loan him out, it should be for his own development, not to clear up any sort of squad space. Like if you loaned out Sean Longstaff, that's a free spot on the roster per se. Um, but with Maddie, it's uh, it doesn't really it doesn't matter because he's not taking up a 25 man Spot, but that's something to pay attention to Watford's been sniffing around the both of them uh, because they're looking for central midfielders. Um, And I don't know why I put Burmuth on here. Uh, Hamza Chowdhury. I know that's a name we've mentioned the last three episodes and uh, Brendan Rogers at Leicester believes that they're going to be bringing in another player, which means that Chowdhury would be free to leave. And it seems like he's high up on the list but if not Chowdhury, Oliver Nichum, I don't know if I'm saying that right, uh, midfielder for Celtic, uh, was had a really good start to his career at Celtic, but really has like kind of fallen out of favor with the manager. Um, almost a similar, not quite an Alan St. Maxman situation, but pretty close where uh, he's just not really being put in a position to succeed. And a lot of Celtic fans, they rate him very highly. They think that he's really good and just being used – and properly. Sounds like a, a particular Paraguayan and Newcastle uh, over the past couple seasons, but I digress. He's likely going to be the backup option if the Chowdhury thing doesn't go through. Uh, he's got the same agent as like four or five players at the club as well. So that's something worth noting. Uh, and that's all I have right now. Do you have anything else?
1: Yeah. Uh, a couple other players is Idrissa
2: Kiei. Oh. Well, I didn't say that for a reason. Because he rejected us. He did. So I yeah. i don't, it's not really like a Joe Willock? I haven't heard anything new from Joe Willick. I just didn't put a lot of thought into it. Uh, Lucas Larager. Larager. I did hear that. I didn't know anything about it. Okay. That's all I have. Yeah. Um, the other thing to oh, note Oh, wait. Time out. You forgot the most important one. Akraf Lazar. Oh, it's he's in Milan. finished because I was about oh. to go there. Okay, I was about to say, we laughed it. We laughed it off the last episode. But, like, that legit might happen, which is hilarious. Uh, He's apparently asked to cancel his contract with the club. Uh, There's
1: there's a lot of players that are now within the six month from being a free agent. Um, We have Atsu, Saive, and Lazar. We also have Jacob Murphy, Dwight Gale,
2: Andy Carroll, and Federico Fernandez. No, we don't. We extended – Dwight Gale and Federico Fernandez, Andy Carroll, of course, oh. that's a one-year deal. I don't know about Jacob Murphy. I don't know if he got an extension, but we did extend Dwight Gale and oh, David I remember Fernandez. Federico Fernandez. Yeah. Oh yeah. Huh. All right, we extended Dwight Gale for the sole purpose of selling him, but like, the we've completely decimated his value in two seasons. Remember, two seasons ago, like people like West Brom were willing to blow like their entire transfer budget on Dwight Gale and, and Newcastle were like, no. Yeah.
1: Well, um, let's talk about a time where Newcastle were like, yes. Oh, nice <laughs> and, transition there. And they, as they beat Everton again, they make Everton stumble and make Jordan Pickford look like an absolute clown. Um, I really hope he does stay as England's number one, but only when they play United States, um, that would be that would be great. Uh, <laughs> but after that, then yeah, like I hope most, most of our listeners don't have to suffer too long watching him be England's number one because does not make sense still to this day. Well, but let's th- let's dive into it. We're going to stay to more of our broad discussion format that we've been doing.
2: And uh... wait, Craig, Craig, timeout, timeout. Are we going to do three words? Yeah, that,
1: that would be that would be good for the people.
2: Because I feel like we haven't done three words in a while, mainly because it's been
1: depressing. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> but, we just didn't do it the last one because we had two matches to talk yeah. about quickly. That's why. But, yeah, you caught me because I was going to do it again, and that's unacceptable. So three <laughs> words. Uh, got it up. Um, after every match, we ask you to write three words to describe the match. And you do that in elite levels. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Phil at Flood 1210 say Graham Jones effect. Alex in a field says Graham Jones rocks. Toon Army Portland, Graham's mighty mags. <laughs> uh, Trevor Mooney says Brucey's still shite. Mr. Steeler worldwide deuce for Callum. Um, S.E. mag, the Jones effect. Another one. Mm-hmm. Don at Smick Ultra says new tactics win. Um, reborn under Jones from John Kelly. Eric Smith at N, N- U F C Indiana says thoroughly deserved victory. Um, Alex Passine with a good one. One glove off. <laughs> <I> like <laughs> that <sweet>. one. <laughs> Steve Locky new coach works. Sandra Farn. Callum Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh T R at rash underscore trash. Great, great Great. idea. That's oh yeah. But no. (laughs) Emergency victory pod (laughs) is what's his three words. Um Kim Avery, Newcastle looked good. Uh James Whitmore says get the rave on. Don't care, it's four. Now it's more than four because yeah. Uh (laughs) Nick underscore Shamar says extended Steve Bruce and michael oh my work.
2: gosh i can't believe nick commented again nick was the guy who commented the last time about when we when we lost we lost like we looked really bad and he was like extend steve bruce and was oh, like, oh and we couldn't see I, it yeah and, oh, I, it. I saw it but you couldn't see it now i can but see now it. yeah well i followed him so we oh, see uh, it. okay because he followed us so i felt <laughs> it was
1: fair uh and michael cunningham says what a header
2: um, um I got a couple more. Okay, go. We got John at Clemachpin88. What a name. Unleash the tune. And Benjamin Dahlman at, what a great Twitter name, by the way, at Chief D. Oh, wait, at Big Chief D. (laughs) Love that. Yeah. (laughs) He just says FFS, wait, sorry, FFS, which uh, you can kind of do the the multiplication there. Yeah. The addition and subtraction. All those good things.
1: Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about Graham Jones. That was the that was a very mentioned thing in the three words, but let's talk about the match first. Uh and the first person you have to talk about is
2: Callum Wilson. Well, I mean let's let's actually I do kind of want to start with the lineups because I think this is the only time. In this new format, where it's kind of relevant to actually talk about the lineups and formation, yeah, because it was different. Okay, yeah, yeah, let's do that then. Which, which started the hashtag Graham Jones Revolution, which is what I've come up with on Twitter the yes. Graham Jones Revolution. Um, I, so I mean, I can read the starting 11 if you want me to, if that's okay with you. I mean, I don't yeah, know how you do feel it. about it. Um, so, uh, of course, I think for me, uh, what was interesting was, uh, in goal, we went with Carl Darlow, uh, not because I thought, I just thought desperate times, you probably want to go back to Dubrovka, uh, because you know what you're getting with Dubrovka. And and there's nothing that has suggested Carl Darlow should be dropped, but there's nothing justifying that he should have. Like started this match per se. Like, I mean, Newcastle looked bad, but it's not like, I don't know. It just, it didn't make a difference who we're putting in goal at, (laughs) at that point. So why not throw in Dubrovka? But Carl Darlow started, uh, Jamal Lewis, Fabian Scheer, Jamal Asells, Javi Minkio, uh, Isaac Hayden, John Joe Shelby, Jeff Hendrick, Miguel Amran, Ryan Fraser, and Callum Wilson. Um, and there were some early reports because people thought that this was going to be a back five, uh, given just the way the lineup graphic looked uh, and how we've used Isaac Hayden in the past and the fact that, you know, you know, you could potentially do like a 5-4-1 in this situation. Um, but there were some early reports Uh, claiming that this was a 4-3-3, and uh, it was very contentious. Uh, I I read Chris Woff's article on this. He called it a 4-3-3. As an American, I called it a 4-4-2 diamond. Um, I mean, you could argue that it was a 4-3-3 with a false nine, whatever the heck you want to call it. It was four in the back formation, and it worked. That was the big thing. (laughs) It worked. Yeah. That was it. That- That's all I had. I mean, well, I mean, I guess if, if you want to get into specifics about how we, like, drifted Callum Wilson out ri- wide to the right and it pulled their center backs away from the box, like, we can go into that. And But, like, we don't have to. I mean, I think it's, it's a formation where, like, we talk about how awful it is to rely on John Joe Shelby to do a lot of defensive work. And this formation, while he – Mirza would say he looked terrible. I didn't think he looked terrible. But him and Jeff Hendrick were really asked, to do much less than they had to in the past. Isaac Hayden was in a role that he has been like his best role, which is being that holding midfielder that sits right in front of the defense. Uh, and like the our center backs looked comfortable, our, our fullbacks looked comfortable. Uh, and then, I mean, I think the only player that you could say probably looked a little uncomfortable in the role was probably Ryan Fraser, um, which that's just something you're gonna have to navigate. Uh, But, yeah, I I don't know if you have any thoughts on the formation, uh, what you saw, kind of, you're more of a a tactics guy than me.
1: I would disagree, but um, I... That's the right answer. I've (laughs) been saying that, like, uh, when we say, like, when we get to discussions around, like, what what would be like what would be my preferred style play. This is this is literally my answer. <laughs> so uh four 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 two four four two diamond where you can overload ball side to make it a four four three a four three three. Um that's like what I prefer and it's kind of like uh well it's all, it's also a bias because that's
2: like Philadelphia Union in a nutshell. <laughs> oh, I was going to say I th- I thought you were gonna say like you're throwing it back all the way to uh US- United States World Cup run the way they oh. run the four four two diamond <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean that too and there I mean a lot like some of the most exciting teams we've ever seen do this so yeah. I love that formation I've always I've always loved that formation um, but I've always said like the best formation was a five4 one um, with Rafa being the manager but um, I would love if we can just do this all the time it's way more exciting um, but the the benefit of it is, we had the real benefit of the formation is Miguel Almiron played in the spot that he's best at for once for like the third time since he signed with us and then um and that and you can see those when players play in areas that they are good at they then typically perform well Um, and we got to see that where like now you didn't have Callum Wilson fighting for service like players were always there and there was always and it, you allowed Callum to do exactly what he does best and he was like really freaking good in this game so now we'll transition to him because yeah. he should have had a hat trick and he should he be should mad have. that he doesn't have a hat trick and he probably is honestly like if it like oh, i well, guarantee he's pissed he's probably thought about that miss more than he's thought about his two makes that's oh, 100% 100% yeah. so
2: actually like, i think like the reason he was so emotional with that last goal, was like he felt like he he deserved at least two goals from this match. Like I'm yeah. sure that's what he was thinking.
1: Yeah, and now he's probably pissed he didn't get three. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so he had a, he had a massive miss miss early on. Uh, it was it was Ryan Fraser who lost a perfect ball into the box right at Callum's feet, one on one with uh, little arms and and Callum just hit it wide. I mean Pickford didn't even get anything on it he just missed the entire net you know that massive net that he's paid millions of dollars to hit for and and put the ball in that net for a living he missed it completely uh, right there so that was the first sign of like we just we're just not really good at this scoring gold thing anymore are we that's at least my initial thoughts I mean I knew what the final score was because I didn't watch this live but I was just like oh my gosh like like how how did this not come back to haunt us? Um, what what was some I guess first half takeaways because it ended zero zero uh, at halftime. Like what was your thoughts I guess in the whole first half and what we were what what how did you feel when we got to halftime? Did you feel like we could win this game or were you like hey we're playing pretty good right now?
2: No I, I honestly. I honestly thought this this is a game that Newcastle like at least in that first half, they that first half should have been one nothing um, like Newcastle were yeah. the better team. And in, I think this was like literally there's there's a lot of times, especially this season um, where in, in early in the season where you could argue left and right. Did Newcastle actually look good? Did New, like, and people can debate, but I think everyone was in agreement. And I think the biggest thing I noticed, this was the first thing I texted Greg, there seemed to be a clear plan uh, in attack. Like when we had the ball, there was like, all right, look up. If there's no option there, we're, we're moving inside to side. We're trying to pull people out of position. We're trying to create space. Like they were playing a little bit of possession uh, baseball, which is sort of kind of similar to I wouldn't say that's I wouldn't say sort of similar I think that's part of the Graham Jones influence is like that is something that Roberto Martinez tries to do like he came up in a school of possession like that is something that is not super surprising trying to play possession football but also make it attacking so you can definitely see a sort of Graham Jones influence there which I think a lot of people kind of picked up on but the like there also was a there I think the other thing that was key for me was I saw there was a plane defensively as well uh, with the press not only with the press. In uh, making their their backline uncomfortable but trying to neutralize James Rodriguez. I think it's no secret that like when Everton play well they play through James Rodriguez and they try and Everton like and you can even see how they respond in the second half. They changed formations multiple times to try to create mismatches with James Rodriguez and whoever had the whoever was near or around James Rodriguez like made it like hell for him to, to operate and newcastle players were aggressive going into tackles with him um, aggressive you know challenging for 50 50s when he's the one involved and it really sort of took him almost out of the game completely and when he's out of the game it uh, it forces other players to try to beat you one-on-one and it's like as great as lucas Digne is or as great as dominic Calvert lewin is or alex awobi they're not Hamas rodriguez and ultimately they're just not going to be as dangerous as giving James Rodriguez free reign to kind of tear your defense up. So I, I, it was crazy to see there was a legitimate plan uh, in defense and it really did feel like when Newcastle scored, it felt like, in that's the second half, but it felt like a clean sheet was deserved because like it was cohesive in defense. It was aggressive in defense. It's what Newcastle fans like to see. It's what you want the club to, to, to kind of be playing like and it, it was just overall nice to see so I mean that was kind of my key takeaway I think you can kind of go even more and deep dive and I would really suggest if you have the athletics to read Chris Woff's piece on it um just on like how Newcastle were trying to play uh and and push pe- pull people out of positions and things um but I just thought it was nice to see that there was a plan and it was nice knowing that you no know, regardless of this match, We're going to at least be able to, for the first time in what it it feels like, two seasons. Honestly, it is for the first time in two seasons. I'll wake up on Sunday morning and say, oh, wow, Chris Woff wrote a tactical piece on Newcastle. And I can watch Chris Woff break down tactics, which I just haven't been able to see in, like, ages. So that was nice. So that was my first half. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, another thing I want to mention is, and it, it, definitely showed up on Twitter. The Twitter warriors had a blast with this one, but they cut to a video of Graham Jones uh, coming out of the dugout and yelling directions to players while Steve Bruce uh, was kind of in the background watching and not doing anything. And then uh, instantly among Newcastle Twitter was, everyone says Graham Jones is mighty mags. And like Elijah said, the revolution <laughs> Um I, I, like how what do you what's your take on this? Do you think Tr- Graham Jones really had a distinct influence on how Newcastle played? Well I think Chris Woff
2: kind of really I, and I, I'll say this. he had an influence, but and it's this is really tough for me to say because like I I just I didn't I honestly if I did not see it written with my own eyes, I would not believe it. but like Chris Woff says, like if you he broke down exactly how much influence Graham Jones had and said like this is how this is this is when he showed up this is what he did he did provide some help in terms of like tactical instructions but like a chunk of this game playing does it 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 was from Steve Bruce's brain like it it's it's really hard for me to say that and it's really hard for many Newcastle fans to maybe hear that or accept that. But the fact of the matter is like Graham Jones had influence and you can see where his influence was, but for now it does seem like it was a two person effort. And I think part of it was um, maybe like, there were things that Steve Bruce wanted to do and ideas of how he wanted to play, but maybe Graham Jones was kind of helping him figure out how to put that pen to paper, especially when we know Steve Bruce is maybe not the best at uh the actual tactical instruction part of being a manager
1: yeah yeah
2: um well yeah let's let's go to the second
1: half then and well the first part um that we got to talk about
3: is the first goal shelby with this corner from the right to the back of the box headed across oh, in. great header newcastle united have scored it's callum wilson with the header fantastic goal after 73 minutes it's everton nil newcastle united won
1: and and it was lovely a set piece we scored on a set piece a corner swung in actually i don't remember who oh it was it don't Shelby?
2: Yeah. yeah Shelby. It's, it's unfortunate. That's gonna. It's gonna. It's an assist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, <laughs> so he
1: swung in a corner, and it was on the front post, uh, pretty far back in the penalty box. Kyle Wilson rose. Great. Still shot pictures of this, by the way. He got ups and pushed the ball to the bottom of the back post. I mean, obviously, like there's very few keepers in the world that are gonna save that, but definitely not short. Jordan Pickford. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and it, it was a beautiful goal. Uh, that was essentially all the confidence we needed. It, I mean, absolutely brilliant goal by Callum. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on on this whole setup?
2: Well, one, the set piece goal for the first time in in like forever. It felt like a set piece goal was coming. I mean, in the first half, there was a, a massive save, similar situation. Callum Wilson free in the box, but. All of Newcastle set piece routines, ex- outside of maybe a, f- a couple shots from a, a John Joe or someone, they all felt dangerous. Like, they've been working on set pieces in the training ground, which, again, is something that I wouldn't say teams that are not good at creating do. But, like, teams that are not good at creating uh, chances on their own, like, they will – like, Rafa was really good at this, where – he knew that if Newcastle had a set piece, like, you need to take advantage of this. So, like, the set piece routines were going to be great for Newcastle. And actually, like – and that's why it was a little shocking when C- when Newcastle were not doing well on set piece. Because last season, if of course, we all know we had a ton of defenders score – mainly because we were scoring a lot we a fair amount of set piece goals so it was nice to see that element of of the game return and so a set piece goal was coming it was, it was well worked I mean there's really not much to say uh, this one really wasn't a pick for a mistake it was just like you know maybe maybe he, he cheated a little too far near post which I think you could see the way he set up was he was cheating near post hard so if he did it like he he probably makes he gets close to making the save. If right before he uh, right before Shelby swings the ball in, he cheats back towards the middle of the goal. But he was already cheating so far near post that like there was just no way that he was going to he was going to get back over to any ball that was going to be far post. Like there's yeah no and, yeah, and you just don't assume that the
1: ch- the that's a risk you can take as a keeper because you don't th- assume that anybody in Newcastle has the quality to do that. Uh, but uh, it, happened. Yeah. it happened. It happened. And that was and that was kind of halfway through the second half. So that's 30 73rd minute goal. Uh, that we went at one nothing. And then you think it, I mean, you'd be crazy not to think that Steve Bruce's mags bunker immediately and let Everton yeah. play right back into the game, but they didn't. They stayed on it, they kept pushing, and that second goal came, y'all. It happened. Um, so it was it was in the third minute about a time. Uh, to put it away so even yeah like even during added time injury time we were pushing Um, this was a counter but we weren't bunkering
2: at all which which by the way worth noting this is something that uh like this happened to Newcastle the 5-2 leads match literally happened because even in added time leads were like we're going to continue to score goals like we're going to be on the front foot and yep. that's the kind of mentality that you want from every team and like we've It happens against us Arsenal, Man City. You can name teams that have done this to us. Good attacking teams do this, where it doesn't matter if it's the 93rd minute or the first minute we're looking to score a goal. Mm -hmm. No sportsmanship. Who cares about that?
3: Yeah. De Kure gets over, sticks a low ball back in, stabbed away. Jamal Lewis and Alan Samaxima chasing, and Sam Maxima's kept it in and knocked it forwards for Lewis to run onto. A man free in the middle. In. Jamal Lewis plays it across. He's played him in. It's Callum Wilson. They can seal it here. Wilson! Yes! Yes! It's gonna be a victory for the first time in 12 games a first win in seven weeks a first win since the 12th of december and callum wilson has got a second goal a breakaway goal finished by newcastle center forward his second of the match a header from a corner for the first and then a firm finish low into the back of the net played in by jamal Lewis.
1: um and this one started by alan c maxman rushing to the sideline Uh, And he was able to hoop the ball up to Jamal Lewis, who's making a break for it down the sideline. And it was a perfect through ball by St. Maximin. And then Jamal Lewis didn't even take a touch. He just he just crossed it to an absolutely wide open out in an ocean of of space is Callum Wilson uh, takes a little bit of an off touch on the ball, which sends him right. And then Jordan Pickford does this weird, like, charge out to him and then back up, which gave Callum more space as he controlled the ball to move in and nicely slots the ball in on the far post. Two nothing, Newcastle. That's game. Everton, gonna not. they're not going to score two goals in, in a minute. Not. Yeah. No, only we can <laughs> no, do that.
2: Yeah. No, no you way. You can't score two goals in, in extra time. That's crazy. That's oh, no, <laughs> no, you can't do that. <laughs> so uh we
1: we saw that victory what what's your thought on that counter attack play any any comment on that
2: yeah if i remember correctly, i was off in everton corner as well which is why like uh jamal lewis was just like like at all the maximum control jamal was just sprinting forward and it was a deserved assist for jamal lewis because i mean he has looked just so bad yeah. the past <laughs> like during this 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 run he's looked just really bad and, I mean, this match, him and Mankio were, like, insanely good. They were both just so good. Uh, Mankio was, like, first in so many different categories, like just bald carry, All Like, there's this crazy tweet with all the stats he was first in. But Jamal Lewis, it, it was a deserved assist, and um, it was nice to see Alan C. Maxman. And it was also nice to kind of – excuse me uh, – be up one nothing, and then – or not be up one nothing, but, like, kind of be in a position where you knew – I don't even know if we were up when we brought in Allison Maxman, but it felt like Newcastle were on the front foot and you like have that killer to bring off the bench where it's like something's going to happen. Like, and it was nice having Allison Maxman in for that last 20 or so minutes where it's like, even if, even with this one, nothing lead, I feel like we can score more. It's not like we've subbed on, you know, I don't know, like, uh, geez, uh, let's go Jake, not Jacob Murphy. Cause he's an attacking player, but normally Newcastle in this situation would look to sub on some left back or something like we'd sub on Paul Dummett or like sub on like maybe even Maddie Longstaff where it's like, it's not a sub where you think to yourself, Oh, this person's going to provide a goal. It's like, yeah, maybe you want like Maddie Longstaff to score, but it, it's not, you're not immediately assuming that. But like Alan T. Maxman, it's like, yeah, I am expecting us like, at least him to take a couple shots. And for him to create some chances and to do something and i mean he had some moments i mean there's of course it the uh what is it what's that jeez the wow i can't even remember the skill move i used to know every skill move because of fifa but he absolutely turned someone uh during the match and it was beautiful and i was like wow peak allen st maxman but i mean it was nice for him to kind of get the hockey assist on this and shout out to him yeah yeah absolutely
1: um the, so match ended. It was, it was 2 nothing. We'll get into uh, the quotes. And, actually, let's take a break, and then we'll do that stuff. Yeah, let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. We're going to take a break now.
0: For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a thing with the latest Newcastle news, gossip, and social stories as they break. Download the free Toon Army app now from the App Store and Google Play.
1: All righty. We're back. We're going to do quotes, stats, all that fun stuff. Uh, we'll do um, uh, the, actually the one thing I didn't mention on the top. Uh, I'll talk about the matches. There was one bad thing that happened. Yeah. Yeah. and That's Jamal Asells. He's probably yeah. going to be out. Uh, yeah. Kieran Clark replaced him as a sub. Uh, I don't know how long he'll be out. I don't know what's wrong, but it didn't
2: look good at least. He tried to play through it, but just like second half, like had to get sold off like fifty fourth minute or something. Yeah. Also, just big big match for a lot of people ending up on the ground for uh like extended period. Like I felt like there was there are moments, and this is rare you see this. There are just moments where just like two players on the on opposite sides of the pitch were just on the ground. They're just like what the hell? Like what's going on? Like why is everyone just on the ground? And yeah. players were falling. It was a big like this. The only thing that would have made this match perfect is if Steve Bruce subbed on Joel Linton just so we could see him fall a couple times. Just <laughs> that'd be nice. Just see him fall a couple times, and and that'd be that'd be the perfect ending to this match because everyone was just falling and getting hurt and picking up knocks and all kinds of stuff. Really yeah. early on, Fabian share like in like really messed himself up uh, with a shoulder injury and popped back up. So good for him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, Awesome. we'll we'll start with quotes. Steve Bruce said that was more like it today. We've been working on getting on the front foot, getting after the ball better and getting it back higher up. I think the players have enjoyed it, but you need to, you need a result to go with it. So today everybody is happy. We look far better in terms of personnel available. We've been struggling big style. Uh, We've had an awful eight weeks with injury and illness. Uh, the tactical change is something we've been working on for weeks. If you looked at Newcastle in the past year, it was sitting deep and hitting on the counter attack. I think the players have enjoyed the change, but you need the result to go with it. Um, he did say, uh, he just like mentioned a lot, like that was more like it. That was more like it. Um, and like before the match, he was even like claiming like, you know, I'm, i will never walk away and then had like way more upbeat uh, for obviously, uh, but on transfers, he said, I think we'll be a busy 48 hours for a couple of clubs, and we hope we can do one or two things. That was his yeah. one on transfers. Yeah. Um, stats. Do you have stats? I have stats.
2: Uh, I mean, I've got one. Um okay. obviously Calum Wilson double digit goals. So yeah. shout out to him. Also, his hundredth Premier League goal was that second yes. goal. So
1: I didn't have that one, so you you got me there.
2: That was a uh, courtesy of the NBC sports broadcast. Which shout out to any American who had to watch that. That was that might have been the world simulcast, honestly. Now that I think about it, it was brutal. They those guys were just they were they had a lot of. I don't know if they'd had something to drink beforehand, but they were just on it with the puns and just the terrible takes. They at a certain point said like Steve Bruce. They said Steve Bruce has been unlucky. He's had to change. They basically tried to blame like Steve Bruce's uh, changing ev- the formation every week on the players, which just, just like, out of all the takes in the world, like that's the take you go with is like, oh, it sucks for Steve Bruce had to change the formation so much because the players haven't stepped up, and it's like, no, maybe because he's like confused because he's not a great manager. But anyway, yeah, yeah, shout out to those guys. Um, okay. So, Callum had 10,
1: as you mentioned. It's his first goal in 639 minutes of Premier League action. Um, that's – so, in now – well, it's his 10th goal of the season and 10 for Newcastle, uh, if you hadn't figured that one out. But he is now level with the likes of Leon Best, Paul mm. Kitson, Alexander Mitrovic. Oh. And um, he passed Faustina Asperia. Jermaine Jenis, Peter Lovenkranz, and, and Charles Insogbia um, by most goals uh, in, in a Newcastle shirt. That was their first Premier League away goal in 458 minutes. Um, that is not a record, by the way, for Newcastle. Um, and then uh, this was uh, our 121st away win out of our 490th fixture. Um, in the premier league we have six of those 121 wins have come against everton only aston
2: villa west ham and spurs have we won more away here's another one for everton. you greg yeah that i just i just realized as you were saying this calum yeah. wilson still has not scored in the first half for newcastle yeah yep which is just insane yep also, um, this one's courtesy of The Athletic. I think he's responsible. For, I think he scored 41% of our goals responsible for 62% or something like that because he's got, I think, four assists as well. Yeah. So, uh, Newcastle would be relegated without Callum Molson. But, like, that's just not a hot take. Like, that's very – we like, we knew this. <laughs> that's yeah. why you sign strikers. Like, you know, you don't want to be too reliant. But, like, if you're – especially if you're a mid-table side, like – you're usually your goal and assist output is very heavily focused on one player, usually a striker or like a cam or winger or something like that. Like, I'm sure you could arguably say the same for a lot of other, like Patrick Bamford for Leeds or something like that. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Uh,
1: and then it was our first double of the season. Um, That's pretty cool. Also, we've we've won three away matches this season against Palace and West Ham were the other two. Uh, In each of of the three away wins, it was halftime, 0-0, and we won the match 2-0 in all three. That's interesting. Yeah, a little little fun little connection there. On expected goals, um, Newcastle – won that as well it was 2.09 for newcastle to 0.97 for everton so they were thinking expected goal saying like two to one win for newcastle is what they were thinking there um elijah who led in expected goals for newcastle
2: count wilson but i honestly thought like maybe it'd be like 2.4 because like i don't know i feel like that that miss was was the header, goal. the header
1: isn't going to be a lot of expected goal though
2: off the set piece yeah that's
1: not cause, cause okay he is you wouldn't expect many people to
2: score from okay that. okay that makes sense I, I was wondering like like where it, like why there wasn't why it wasn't higher that so that makes yeah. sense i didn't think about that at all um and then
1: so yeah he had 1.7 expected goals to give you an idea when he yeah. should have had a hat trick um but wouldn't have expected to have one um, and then expected assists. Who is that? This is the best XA number Newcastle has had this season, by the way. Jamal Lewis. No, he was third. Was it John Joe? No, John Joe was fifth.
2: Was it Miguel? It was 0. .69. Did he assists. did he play the, he didn't even play the through ball? Wait, did he play the through ball for the Cal
1: Miss? No. He He just had a lot of Ryan Fraser, who then played it to Callum. So Ryan Fraser was second in expected assists. And I'm assuming that was because of that cross. And I'm sure Miguel got expected. Oh, you know what it was,
2: dude? Because Miguel also had – he had, the like, all the chances from open play before that were all Miguel Amaro. Miguel. Because I'm thinking about the – yeah, like the John Joe miss. That was like – it was – it was. I don't know. I don't know if it was going wide, but it was. It was a shot, and that was like a. That was. It was just a shot on. Uh, I guess it was graded as on target as well. So like, it's very. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, he was a beast. Like, like he was a beast. Like that. Yep. That's not even. It's <laughs> not up for debate or anything. It was just. Like Calum scores two goals, but a lot of people are walking away being like damn, Miggy was good, but also it's really tough because Colin was also really good. Like, I don't know if there's, like, a best or worst player for this one. Just a lot of – feels like players felt comfortable where they were playing, if that makes sense.
1: Makes I also sense. The right curious to see.
2: curious where Hamza Chowdhury fits into this as well. Because yeah. if it's a four-four-two diamond, like, it's going to be hard to beat out Isaac Hayden for that spot because he was a rock. He was a beast as well. Uh, just – a lot of takeaways a lot of 50-50s he won a lot of interceptions you know for one match a few tackles like he had a solid match as a destroyer and that's that's what you like to see
1: for stats we had 66% of the chances uh we had 13 shots there 11 both teams had three on target um passes completed within 20 yards of goal we had five they had nine Here's an interesting stat: PPDA, which we talk about, is passes allowed per defensive action in the opposite opposition half. New, uh, Newcastle had their highest of the season, which is mm. shocking. twenty-eight point one eight PPDA, terrible oh, number. That is not good. Um, and but clearly didn't matter. Um, so we we allowed Everton to pass the ball twenty-eight times before we did anything to stop them in our own half. Uh, on average in that match but they didn't have they didn't have to do that many times but expected points 2.19 to us 0.6 to them we got the win all as well uh 538 they give us a little bump as well we had a 43% chance of getting relegated before this match uh the win bumped us to a 23% chance to get relegated uh, which is way better. Uh they're expecting us to finish on 38 points which they think would leave us 6 points clear from relegation still finishing in 17th. Um and we'd be 4 points behind Burnley. Um
2: it's interesting because like uh the just I mean I think what are Fulham on right now? I think they're on 14 points right now I think. 14 yeah. Like uh, the, so the, the gap like, is they're saying that they're
1: saying that Fulham will do 1 point better than us the rest of the season.
2: Which is insane because, like, I don't know. I mean, there's – I don't know. I mean, I also, like, it's only been one game. But yeah, Fulham have to put away the chance. Like, they're creating chances, but they've got to put them away if they – like, if they have any chance. And I think they do have a chance of, of doing somewhat well and making – and closing the gap. But, geez, they are just not great at converting chances. It kind of reminds me of Newcastle first season Rafa came well, back in the prem where they were creating chances, but, like, there was no one who could score.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Premier League table notes, it was a 2-0 victory from Chelsea over Burnley put us into 15th, but then Brighton beat Spurs, which put them one point from us. Um, that's just table watching on that. Uh, I did this and last You know time. what's crazy
2: uh, real quick about the Burnley one? Newcastle and Burnley are now equal on goal differential, <laughs> but Newcastle have more goals for than Burnley. There we go. So that's why we're ahead of them. Yeah. It's really weird. They also have a, ga- they also have a game in hand, but that's not important. Um, I brought this up last time. Global soccer
1: rankings by 538. With the win against Everton, Newcastle moved up 21 spots. (laughs) We are now the 89th best club in the world. Congrats to us. Uh, One behind Galatasaray. Oh. DeAndre is making an upgrade. Making a bump. (laughs) Making a bump (laughs) up. Um, Below us, we have Long, Spartak Moscow, Verona, um Monterey Bordeaux so we're better than them so suck it suck it French clubs um still unfortunately still ahead of us in by 11 and 15 respectively are Fulham and Sheffield so uh <laughs> so uh but we're, we're catching up we're catching up we were in a really bad run of form so we'll we'll move back up that that ranking Okay, uh, Elijah. Who is your man of
2: the match? This is so tough. Jeez, um, uh, it's it's really tough because I think uh, between a lot of people, it's between Megan and Callum Wilson. I feel like that's that's fair, uh, and they both were just so good at what like what they were asked to do. Um, I mean, uh, I think I'll, I think I'm gonna go with Callum here because he, as a striker, he was asked to do something that a lot of strikers are maybe not comfortable doing. Like, a lot of strikers definitely want to stay central, but Callum was very comfortable going out wide, uh, stretching the, their back line. Uh, also, was just solid as a playmaker as well, which I think kind of flew a bit under the radar. Probably another player that you could argue maybe deserved an assist or so, uh, because, I mean, he was... He was good with the ball at his feet, uh, and and made some nifty little, little skill moves and nifty passes uh, to play some guys in. So I, I think I'll give it to him on that regard. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Callum has has to get it for his performance. It was like an all around great performance for any striker. Um,
2: yeah, nearly scoring a hat trick is a great performance. Uh, yes, hot take um, there. Um,
1: so for who scored Newcastle players that had a seven or above, we had a bunch. Uh, actually, I'll add this one because they gave him a 6.99, which is a um, Javier Manquillo. So he's added in there. So congrats, Javier. Uh, then Fabian Cher, Miguel Almiron, John Joe Shelby, Isaac Hayden, Jamal Lewis, Carl Darlow, and Callum Wilson. With uh, Callum was the only one over a seven. He had an 8.72. Um, and Carl Darlo had a 7.8, was the highest of the sevens. Um, but pretty good performance. Really, the only player that played the entire match that didn't get a seven, there's only one, and it's Jeff Hendrick. Yeah. He got a 6.85, which is like decent. And
2: also, part of that is because he got a yellow. Yeah. And like, I think if he yellow, doesn't get a yellow.
1: Carl Darlo got a yellow. John Joe, Hendrick, and LaSalle. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think uh, – I mean, I don't know if you have anything else. Is there – I mean, just on the end of this, anything – any other players you felt uh, played well enough to deserve recognition? Well, Albaron. Well, obviously, I think we've given him his praise, and we always do. So that's kind of a given. Uh, yeah, Jamal, well, we we gave praise to Jamal Lewis too, and then Javi Mankio as well, definitely. Uh, Fabian Share I thought was good. Um, John Joe probably better than he's been. Probably one of his best games this season. Yeah, uh, m- mainly because he wasn't asked to do that much defending because <laughs> Jeff Hendrick and and Isaac Haynes did it the like did it. Um, majority not majority for him, but did a lot of it for him. Also, with this four four two diamond, I could see. Both long staffs doing well as well in this uh, formation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a good formation uh, for our midfielders who, like, the majority of them are not really good at defending or attacking. They're just decent at both. So this actually is a solid formation for them. Uh, I think Ryan Fraser probably is the one that struggled the most for me. Uh, I think Jeff Hendrick probably wasn't – he wasn't great, but he also, like, did a lot of the things that no one really likes to see. He recycled possession a ton – So that's important, and uh, it's not pretty. Uh, But I think Ryan Fraser just—he is a player that definitely. I think he just didn't see enough of the ball, maybe. Um, Because we and like we played a lot down that right side. Like I think Chris Woff had like was over fifty percent of our attacks were down that right hand channel. So he just didn't really see a lot of the ball. Uh, and then, of course, when Alan St. Maxman came on, he demands the ball and the players want to give him the ball. So it just was a different look. So I wonder what that what this formation looks like with Alan St. Maxman instead of Ryan Fraser there. Uh, and also, I don't know. I'd like to see what this formation looks like as a true 4-3-3 as well. Uh, and maybe having Mickey like not in the picture uh, just to see what it would look like with Alan St. Maxman and Ryan Fraser both more uh, wingers, truer, truer wingers than the Gamera, who are much more comfortable crossing the ball in uh, with either foot. So I don't know. I just, those were kind of my final takeaways, and we can kind of move on now, unless you have anything else.
1: No, no, we'll take a break. And on the other side, we'll preview our match on Tuesday against Crystal Palace. Uh,
0: we'll be right back. For Newcastle fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews, and the best Newcastle videos and podcasts, download the free Tune Army app now from the App Store and Google Play. All right, we're back. Uh, Newcastle United
1: versus Crystal Palace. Uh, a six-pointer here. Um, we have. Well, we'll start with injuries to start. We have uh, Federico Fernandez, probably Jamal Lasells, and Paul Dummett will be out. For Newcastle and seven players on the injury list for Crystal Palace. Mamadou Sako, Jeffrey Schlupp, Connor Wickham, James Tompkins, James MacArthur, Wayne Hennessy, and Nathan Ferguson all out. Uh, so that's a big advantage to us. Um, Elijah, what are we, what's, what formation are we running out in? What's going to happen with that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I, am very curious to see what happens here because uh, for all the talk Bruce has about playing all of his 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 attacking players together, um, it it clearly like the one detriment to the four four two diamond is that we didn't see the best of Ryan Fraser. So I'm curious to see like, is that something like Steve Bruce is really concerned about, or is he just kind of hoping Ryan Fraser makes an impact regardless of where he is on the pitch? Like just hope that whatever formation we're in, he plays well in. Uh, or just kind of, I mean, you know what you want to call it, this four-three-three-four-four-two diamond whatever you want to call it. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see what we do. Um, I'm also curious to see, like, is Allen St. Maxman, you know, fit to play a full 90? I would probably say no. I would give him another match of coming off the bench. Uh, but, I mean, you also have to recognize that a Crystal Palace match where – Crystal Palace is a solid defense, but not a great defense. is a wonderful opportunity for Alan St. Maxman to be just incredibly dangerous. Uh, so it's it's going to be tough, and I don't know if Steve Bruce is even going to rotate. So I'll, I'll say we stick with a four four two diamond for now and kind of almost chalk out a near-identical lineup. I can maybe see the midfield shifting around a little bit, maybe like Sean Longstaff coming in for Jeff Hendrick or something, uh, just as purely rotational stuff. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I would stick with the similar formation, run similar tactics, uh, and kind of also check on Alan St. Maxman in the final 20 minutes and see if we can sc- create another chance from that as well. Yeah. Uh, so what does Newcastle have to do to win? You got to carry out that same game plan. I think the, the big thing is with Crystal Palace, they really only have two players that I would consider even dangerous that are actually even going to be available um, because I think you said this If uh, MacArthur's done, but uh, yeah, like Eze and of course, uh, Jesus Christ, Zaha. Zaha. and last time we played Crystal Palace, Zaha didn't play. And Eze was a, a bit of a handful. Uh, so that's just, you have to find ways to neutralize them. If they can take, at least one of them out of the, uh, out of the match um, like they did with Thomas Rodriguez, uh, which kind of was a similar situation. Both Gilfie Sigurdsson and Thomas Rodriguez are insanely important, but they also are more dangerous when you have to respect both of them. So when you can completely kind of neutralize one of them and force the other one to do work, uh, it, it makes it a little bit tougher for that other person and you, the manager has to figure out well, how do we put our players in the best position? Blah blah, et cetera, et cetera. The benefit for Newcastle is that one, the expectations are so low that no one even knows which player from Newcastle would try to neutralize, and in uh, and, and two, like uh, they, they actually have a, a, a decent bit of players that all have attacking talent. We just really haven't seen everyone put it all together at the same time. So I think trying to neutralize as a or or uh, Wilfred Zaha is probably going to be Newcastle's best move here.
1: Yeah, and Andres Townsend, who's having another good year. Um, yeah.
2: But so, he's old, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, he's old. Old people. He's good. Yeah, he's he's fine.
1: It's super helpful that I think MacArthur being out is 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 big. Like yeah, no, I was that's actually huge. so I'm circling this match as when we were going into our like I don't know, probably like eight losses in. Oh yeah, no, yeah. I was circling this match as like this is probably the one that we get it. That we we change things, um, so I was I was going into this game thinking we would win it, uh, but and now now seeing like there's still Chris is still plagued with injuries, like MacArthur is out, like there's a lot of good players out. It's not like just backups; it's people that they would no. be, be playing.
2: And I importantly, think, like players that have a little bit more defensive responsibility as well. Yeah, which is which is key because Newcastle's strength is like their attackers all individually are good at beating defenders, which is a stupid thing to say. But like it also makes sense. Like what makes Callum Wilson so good is that he knows how to draw defenders out of position. And then Alan C. Maxman obviously embarrasses people. Ryan Fraser in that same mold. Miguel Maron's pace like it's it's a nightmare for defenders when all of them are playing well. Yep. And then, um,
1: yeah, I also think... Uh, so, Newcastle have only lost one of their last six home matches to Palace. That's another yeah. thing to note. Um, and we've kept a clean sheet in seven of the last nine mm-hmm. It when the game has been played in Newcastle. Um, so, we'll go We'll go into predictions then. Elijah... Yeah. Oh, well, I'll give 538 first, and then we can do ours. Uh, 538 says that... Crystal Palace has a thirty-one percent chance to win. There's a twenty-nine percent chance to draw, and a forty percent chance that Newcastle
2: wins this one. Elijah, where do you sit on this? Yeah, like you, this was a match. I actually circled this run: Everton, Palace, Southampton. Because, as you guys know, the last pot I said, like, oh yeah, Everton,
1: Newcastle. You're Nostradamus
2: because you. Yeah. Literally oh, I did. Um, I you,
1: you, you need more credit for that.
2: Thank you. Um, I, I did – I I called it out in a tweet. Like, I tweeted it last week, Wednesday, when Pick, they said Pickford might not play. I said, that's unlucky because a Pickford error is literally what would turn Newcastle season around. Mm-hmm. And I wrote it in my preview that, like, Newcastle, like, this is just the team that for some reason has trouble against Newcastle. And, of course, said it on the pod. Yeah. um But I, I actually thought that it would be a draw with Everton. And I saw that – like Palace and Southampton were opportunities to pick up points, um, and Southampton I feel like maybe less so. But uh, it's it's interesting because Palace have looked okay but not great, uh, and of course they played a Wolves side that is also just not great. Well, not doing too hot at the moment. Definitely not the Wolves of past. But if you look at it before, they um, before before going into this this match, I mean, and neither team's on a good run of form. Palace lost to West Ham, lost to City, uh, drew with Arsenal, lost to Wolves, and of course they beat Wolves this past week. Um, and so, and there's a potential that Patrick Van Aanholt could go to Arsenal as well, and he's one of their their best players in, in defense as well. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. I ultimately think that we could repeat and do another double and maybe win two nothing. Um, I don't know. That's just a gut feeling I'm getting right now.
1: Yeah, I was going to mention it would be Newcastle's second straight double, getting the double against Palace and Everton. And I am also picking a victory. I, I, I makes me nervous. Pick both of us picking Newcastle to win doesn't happen much on this podcast, but I'm doing it. I think, I think one nothing. Uh, probably a second half late second half goal because that's what we do now. Um, but would love to start early and keep pushing and, and it'd be nice to blow somebody out. And uh, yeah, if, that's a good point. We didn't even mention Anhaud and if he's not playing because of the deadline day, that could create even more of an opportunity
2: that Newcastle can take advantage and really well, like. Well, they, at this point he, he'd either be a a, a palace player, or an Arsenal player. Like we, I mean, cause it'd be yeah. Tuesday. So oh yeah, yeah yeah, that's right i'm thinking yeah. I'm, I'm talking as if
1: it's tomorrow it's not <laughs> uh, yeah that was a brain fart on my end i've had many of those okay uh did any any last thoughts before you close this show out no all right well we will be giving you emergency pods so stay tuned on that um if there is any announcements to be made uh on new player arrivals, you will get a show uh late monday night early Tuesday morning and um all right, so all i i got to say is like let's keep winning let's get 3 points on Tuesday and we'll see you soon And Guaydo the lads! you
4: never win the club again the dark it's St. James's Park, if the get into the rain, I'm coming home. And I'm proud to be a Jody, and to live in Jodie land. Some people think we're bawdy, and we're hard to understand, and they say it's just self pity, and we're not so very tough. Because the people in the big fat city haven't had it off as rough I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day, I'll meet for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me, Muller, saying, hey, how are I'm coming home The old blind busker who stands at Fenix door. He plays a mean accordion. You've all seen him there before. And I love the Jody heroes. There's so many famous names. Like Linda Swann and Gaza, Brendan Foster and the Gates at Games. I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale I'm coming home, Newcastle, if you never win the cup again I'll brave the dark in St James's Park, if the Gallagher end in the rain I'm coming home, Newcastle, you can keep your London wine I'd walk the streets all day, I'll need for a bottle of the River Tyne I'm coming home, Newcastle, I wish I'd never been away I'd kiss the ground for the welcome sound in me my mother's anyhow Howie, I'm coming home, Newcastle. I might as well have been in jail. I'd walk the streets all day. I'll need for a bottle of your own brown ale. I'm coming home, Newcastle. If you never win the cup again, I'll brave the darkest in James's Park in the Gallagher's end in the rain. I'm coming home.